Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. Well, Happy New Year, Radiate Church. Come on, somebody. Woo! Congratulations. You decided to start Radiate, I mean, uh, the new year off in church. Congratulations is the best place you can be. Uh, I believe that. I know our teams believe that and our leaders believe that. It's an amazing place to be. We're so glad that you're here with us today. If you want to go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Nehemiah uh, chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1 is where we're going to really camp out and hang out today for a little while. Again, I want to let you know it's okay that your kids are in here. It's okay that they're a little squirmy. All right, we are okay with that. We love that. It's all right. Don't be upset about that. Uh, Again, don't slip them any Benadryl. It's all right. I promise you, okay? Um, So we're excited that they're in here with us today. So uh, we're starting a brand new series uh, for the month of January. We're doing a five-week series called Be About It. And and where this series comes from is, if I'm going to be real honest, is uh, at the end of every year, uh, I take uh, several weeks and I usually will go somewhere and get alone by myself or uh, do something to where I can just really focus and concentrate. And I spend several weeks praying and, and fasting and, and just really trying to hear God for, two, for the next year, right? So I did that at the end of 2018, going into 2019 like I have for six years of pastoring. And so as I did that, I just felt like God, one of the things that God wanted us to start with this year was this. Stop talking about stuff. I heard God tell me that, like, Brandon, stop talking about it. You need to tell your leaders to stop talking about it. You need to tell the church to stop talking about it. Like, stop talking about all your goals. And I was like, but I have goals, God, and people need to hear them. And here's what God said. Stop talking about it until you're willing to be about it. Stop talking about it until you're willing to be about it. And it reminded me, and it came from a conversation I had with a mentor of mine. I was talking to him in 2018. And as we were talking, uh, I was giving him some goals I had, some, some, some plans that I had. And I was like, here's what I want to do. And, and during the conversation, he was wide-eyed. He was excited about it with me, right? And so during that conversation, as we were talking, I said, man, isn't that awesome? He goes, dude, that is so great. He said, I'll be praying that you do those things. I was like, thank you. He goes, but the pro- there's one problem with your stuff. And I was like, what is it? Tell me what it is because I want to do more than I've ever done before. And he looked at me and said, this is the exact same thing you've told me the past two times we've talked about this. And I was like... Bro, like really, you had to throat chop me like that. You know, some of you guys are in the same boat. You're making resolutions and goals today or on January 1 that you made January 1 of last year and January 1 of 2017 and 16 and 15. You with me, right? And, and if we're not careful, we'll make them again in 2019 or, or 20. You know what I'm saying? And so the problem is he looked at me. He said, Brandon, here's what I want to do. I don't want to hear you say any of that anymore. And I was like, you are so nice. I love you. No, I'm just kidding. He's a great dude. I, he, looked, I, he said, I don't want you to say that anymore. I want you to quit talking about it, and I want you to be about it. Show me what you're talking about. Show me what you want to do. And here's the thing. Pastor Travis and I were talking this week about a book that he's reading, and here's one of the things that we got to figure out. Not just what we're going to do, but one of the telltale signs of how much you believe in it is what you're willing to give up to get there. Like Part of the problem is, is we know, all right, my goal, I want to get in shape. But I'm not willing to give up honey buns, and I'm not willing to give up, you know, like I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym, because that's the only time I can get there. If I'm not waking up at 5 a.m., I'm not getting to the gym. So therefore, you probably don't want to get in shape as much as you say you do. Come on. 
Because, well, it's easy to talk about things. It's hard to be about it. And I was reminded of a verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says this, and it's not going to come on the screen. You can write this down. This is bonus material. It's free. Don't worry. You're good. Um, but Ephesians 4, 14 says that we should not spiritually be like children that are tossed here and there by the waves or blown here and there by the winds, but that we should be anchored and we should be strong in where God has us. And I was thinking about it, and I got a visual for you if, you, if you're if you're, if you're ready for a, a quick stupid story of Pastor Brandon's story time, right? And so um, this week I had to do a little bit of yard work in the backyard. It, it finally was okay uh, to do some yard work. It wasn't freezing cold out there. You know, it was good and I wasn't going to sweat to death and melt. You know what I'm saying? So I went out there. I was doing some yard work, cleaning some stuff up, moving some things around, getting rid of limbs and, and a tree that I had cut down. I had to finish cutting down. And, and as I was cutting that tree up, I, I saw another tree that I really wanted to cut down. And I was like, I want to cut that tree down. And I was reminded that I have a chainsaw in my garage. And so I'm back there, and I'm cutting up the limbs, and I'm cutting up the tree that had already been knocked down. And my neighbor comes over, and he, you know, we're close. And we were talking, and he goes, hey, you've been wanting to cut that tree down, right? And I was like, yeah, I have. I said, but it's kind of big. I, you know, I probably need to wait a little bit. That's kind of like all of us, like, you know, I, you've been wanting to get in shape, right? Yeah, well, there's a gym right down the road. Yeah, but I'll wait a little bit when there's not as many people there. Because January, everybody comes, so let me wait till February, and then February comes, and I don't have that in my budget, and then March comes, and I got too much going on, and we never get to the gym, right? Y'all y'all like, you're getting too close to home, leave me alone. And so so he's, he's telling me that I'm making excuses or whatever, and I'm trying to put, I'm actually putting the chainsaw up, and he goes, dude, I'm going to put on my work shoes right now, we'll, we'll get this thing down. And I was like, all right, let's do this thing, you know what I'm saying? And he said, do you have a rope? And I was like, no, nah, I don't have a rope. And the last rope I had, I used on stage at the church. And then I gave it away because somebody wanted it at the end of the service. So I gave it to him. And, and he was like, oh, we don't need a rope. We're good. I was like, all right, let's do this. He obviously knows what he's doing. How many of you know just because somebody's confident in something doesn't mean they know what they're doing? Right. So he goes, he comes back, I'm getting the chainsaw ready. He goes, you know how to notch a tree? I said, never notch the tree. I always just cut all the way through and push it while I'm cutting it. Don't do that. Right? Because I've always cut down smaller trees. And so this one's pretty big. It's not thick, but it's, it's tall and all this stuff, right? So he goes, all right, watch me. And so he notches it. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good, right? He goes, he goes we don't need a rope. There's no limbs. We can't get it to a limb anyway. He says, so I'm just going to push it while you cut. You cut it to the notch, and I'll push it that way to, towards the notch. I was like, all right, sounds great. I'm good with that, right? Some of you are shaking your heads right now because you're jumping ahead in the story, and you need to stop, okay? I'm just saying. So... Man, it goes, and I'm about, I'm almost to the notch, which means the tree is almost cut all the way through, right? And the wind starts swirling. But it hadn't just started swirling. I'm going to be honest, it had been swirling the whole time. So I probably should have looked up and not started cutting the tree while the wind was blowing. But it starts cutting, or, or swirling, and it starts pushing it back towards my house. That's the part I didn't tell you. It was close to my house. So it's pushing it back close to my house. And this is not the first time I've had this story happen to me before. And, and so the, the, it, it binds on my chainsaw blade. My chainsaw won't move anymore. My saw won't move anymore. I was like, oh, man. I was like, Alan, you really got to push that tree harder. And he's like, it's a tree. <laughs> right? And so he's pushing as much as he can. And, and I'm sorry, but I just got to be real honest. I looked at him. I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, this ain't going to be good. Right? I said, you want me to keep cutting? He goes, no, help me push. 
He's got both hands on the tree, and, the, and it's seriously like it's binding this way. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I prayed, and I was like, Lord, you got to do something because I can't afford to replace a house. And so he's pushing, and I'm pushing, and we're freaking out. And he looks down while we're pushing. I'm not, this is not made up. This is not exaggerated. This is true. We're pushing with everything we got, and I'm doing this, and he's bigger and buffer than me, which isn't hard to do. We're pushing with everything we got. And he looks down at me, and he goes, this may not be good. And I was like, that's not what I want to hear. And so we're pushing, and then all of a sudden the wind stopped for a certain amount of time. We got the momentum going towards the notch. It fell right where we wanted it to go. Come on, somebody. Just like we planned it. Just like we planned it. And so that thing fell, and I got into thinking about Ephesians 4.14 later on in the week as we were looking at that. And I was like, you know what? That's like most of us. We put notches towards the goal that we want to go to, right? So I want to get in shape, so I need to join the gym, and there's the notch. But the problem is, is many times when the wind starts blowing, we start getting distracted by everything else around us, and we fall. By the end of the day, we're laying in a spot that we never meant to be laying in to begin with. By the end of 2019, we'll be laying in the same spot. And here's the problem. Some of us have been laying at the end of the year in the same spot in our marriage, in our personal life, in our spiritual life, year after year after year after year. And we can't figure out why. And part of it is this thing right here. We don't stay whole or we don't stay true to our goals. We don't stay true to our goals. We don't go, this is what I want to do. Because I'm telling you, the way to know how much you really want to do it is how much you're willing to give up for it you got to know that. Because nothing comes without sacrificing something else. I can't say I want to get the best shape of my life in 2019 and then sit around and eat honey buns every single night at 11 o'clock and then go to bed. Right? It's not going to happen. I can't say I want to work out and get in shape, but I never even join the gym. I never even get any of the DVDs that help me still work out at, at, at home. Right? So here's what I want to do today. I want to give you a one-word question to ask yourself. Because over the next five weeks, we're giving practical application on what you can do from God's Word that's going to help you achieve your goals for 2019. Are you ready? Yeah. Today is a one-word question, and it's this. Why? Why? Because many of us, we have goals in our life, but we really never know why. And if we never know why, then we never push through the what. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's going to get hard. It's going to get difficult. I know you're wanting to start that diet this week. Like you started it on January 1, right? You started it on January 1, and now you went out to eat with some friends last night. And there, this is a little too true in my life. And you started eating with, went out to eat with some friends last night, and they were eating some things that you wish you could eat, but you couldn't eat, and you had a choice. You could either stick to your diet the best you could, or you could just give in and go, I'll just start over tomorrow. Praise God. His mercies are new every single day. Right? It's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. But why am I doing it always pushes me through the what. And I want to show you how powerful a deep and passionate why can be in your life through the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to go through that in, in, in the, over the next five weeks. In verse one, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year um, while I was in Susa, the capital. Right? So this is who's talking. These are the words of Nehemiah. It says this. It says that Hanani, one of my brothers, so one of uh, Nehemiah's brothers, and then some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. Now listen, he's asking them about these guys, and here's their response. They said to me, 
The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Verse 4, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let me tell you a few things that a deep why is going to do. Because I want to try to get us in the story, right? The first thing that a why is going to do in your life when we ask ourselves, why do I want to do that? Do I want to become a better parent because I've got friends that seem like they're killing parenting way better than me? Do I want to get in shape because I'm jealous of everybody I see on Instagram and on Facebook? Do I want to find the love of my life because everybody around me has found the love of their life? Why do I want to do all this stuff? Can I tell you? That's going to do a few things. The first thing it's going to do, it's going to root you and anchor you to passion. To passion. I want you to pay attention to what happens whenever Nehemiah's uh, sitting down with his brother and his friends, and he's asking them, hey, hey guys, tell me, like, let's, let's do this, all right? So he's sitting down, let's get ourselves in the middle of the story. Nehemiah is sitting there, and he's talking to his brother, he's talking to his friends, he's like, hey guys, tell me about the Jews that, that escaped captivity, they escaped slavery, right? They escaped all the distress and all the bad things in their life, they escaped, they got out of that, praise God, it's awesome. They've got to be doing well, right? Like, they've got to love their life, things have got to be going well. And all of a sudden... Uh, Hanani and his friends look at Nehemiah and they said this. They said, no, they're in great distress. They're stressed out. They're frustrated. They don't know where their next paycheck's going to come from. In fact, some of them are sitting there about to starve to death because there's no guaranteed food anymore. Like, it's a very hard time on the Jews right now. And you can just see in the story, you can feel Nehemiah, his countenance just kind of drops, right? And then he goes, all right, all right, that's, that's, that's not what I was expecting. Like, that's... That's rough. Like, so, so tell me about Jerusalem. Jerusalem's one of my favorite cities. Uh, I can see Nehemiah going, I love Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's beautiful and it's amazing. And it's got these beautiful walls around it and these gates. Do you know that the walls from those times are still standing in Jerusalem? I've stood there. I've looked at them. I've touched them. I've been to the gates in Jerusalem. They're beautiful places. And I can see Nehemiah going, man, this is a beautiful place. Jerusalem is so gorgeous. How is it doing after all of that? And he goes, man, the walls are caved in. You know, it's not a good situation. In fact, you can't even go there uh, right now without stepping through soot and ash because they burned the gates up so anybody could come and go. It, it's just not a good situation, Nehemiah. It looks terrible. you got to step over stones to get there. you got to get knee-high of ash whenever you get there. Like, it is a wreck. It is a war zone. It is terrible, Nehemiah. And you can just see, it says that he began when he heard the words. It doesn't say he looked at him and said, get out of my face. It doesn't say, get out of my room. It says, immediately, as he heard the words, please hear that, as he heard the words, he began to weep and mourn for days. He said he fasted and prayed for days to the Lord of heaven. Listen to me, here's why that's important. Because as soon as he heard the words, it drove a why so deep in him, and it drove a passion so deep in him that he couldn't hold the tears back, he couldn't hold the sadness back, because the people that he cared about, the city that he loved, was now in torment, and was now in distress, and nothing was going well. He had a passion so deep within him that it changed his entire countenance. In fact, we'll talk about this a little next week, but it says when next time he went before the king, that the king noticed that his countenance was different. Listen, he mourned and wept for days. He prayed before and fasted before the God of heaven for days because there was a passion so deep. I want you to pay attention to something. His passion came before he knew exactly what to do. 
Listen, we often will sit there and we'll try to follow over and polish over and floss over all of our emotions and our feelings for something. Can I tell you, if you got a deep passion and you got a burning desire for somebody in your family that doesn't know Jesus, stop ignoring that. That's not just an emotional reaction. That is a spiritual reaction to their spirit being connected to God. Do you know, listen, I felt this. I connected Nehemiah as like my life story. I love the story of Nehemiah. And here's why. Because whenever I planted Radiate Church, I did not plant Radiate Church just to start a church. There's plenty of churches around. If you look around, there's plenty of them. You passed six or seven churches to get here today. And they're all great churches, and chances are I'm friends with their pastors. And that's great. And I love them, and I support them, and I pray for them. And it's nothing against them. But I got to a place within me and in my life where I was sick and tired of watching my generation and every other generation cast off church because it was irrelevant, and they couldn't get anything from the message, and God was not good to them, and they couldn't walk away with anything practical that changed their life. I was sick and tired of watching people stand in church with their hands like this, wishing that the singing would be over. I wanted, I longed to see people that clap their hands and raise their hands and engage their hearts in worship because they're excited about what God's doing. I long to build a church to where people don't come to sit in blue padded chairs, but they come and they serve and they give everything they've got to build an environment for people to love Jesus. I long to build a church to where we don't look forward just to the next Sunday, but we look forward to the next opportunity to serve other people and show them about Jesus. There is a burning passion and desire whenever we get the why. Something happens deep down on the inside, and I need to ask you, when is the last time it hurt you so bad that you couldn't even function correctly? When is the last time that being generous to God, when is the last time that bringing people to the presence of Jesus, when is the last time that setting up an environment on Sundays for people to meet Jesus, when is the last time that getting out into the community and showing people what Jesus is all about burdened us so bad that it hurt us? And can I tell you something? You need to know this. Like, I didn't say this in the 10 o'clock, but it's true. The truth of the matter is, understand, Nehemiah's brother and friends weren't weeping and mourning like he was. Because his purpose was different than theirs was. Whatever's in you, whatever purpose and promise you've got, you will mourn over the depth of the impact of that purpose. For some of you, it's kids. For some of you, it's setting up environments. For some of you, you don't want to be seen. You want to be behind the scenes doing something. Whatever it is, can I tell you something? That burden, that mourning, that passion that's deep down in you gives you a glimpse into the purpose and the promise God has for you. Are you with me today? A why always anchors us to the passion God has in us. What is burdening you today? What is making you mourn today? Can I tell you one of the things that makes me mourn and that hurts my heart more than anything is to know that there are 65,000 plus people in Kershaw County and statistically over the nation, over 80% of them will not attend church on Sundays, which means they won't get a fresh dose of the presence of Jesus in their life and they don't know about his full goodness simply because they're not sitting in a life-giving church. For me, that's breath in my my lungs to tell me I weep and mourn over that I fast and pray over that and we will be the ones to step up and do something about it and change it in this county in this state and in other counties all the way around what is your why what is your why ask yourself like when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing why are you doing it why are you doing it most of us if we're honest 
We, it's okay. Listen, it's okay to have selfish goals sometimes. It's okay to have a goal. I want to own a new truck. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but why do I want to do it? Do I want to do it because I love a 2018 Chevy Silverado? Or do I want to do it because my friend just got a new truck and I got to keep up with them? You following me? You see, the why is so much different depending on what happens. Listen, the why keeps you rooted to passion. And here's what, here, I want to leave you with this on this point. And it's this. If you ever want to see the miraculous, you have to be willing to do the ridiculous. You have to be willing to do the ridiculous. Can I tell you why most of us never see the miraculous hand of God in our lives, in our marriage, in our kids, in any way, shape, or form, and in our churches? It's because we're not willing to do the ridiculous. We're only willing to do the comfortable. I, 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 I'm, not ex, I'm not extroverted. I, I can't serve like that, like they do, and I can't be on that team, and I can't do those things. Listen, it's, it may feel ridiculous. Whatever feels ridiculous to you, if God is leading you to do it, step up and do it, and I promise you something miraculous is on the other side of it every single time. I'm telling you, it's not just serving. It's giving ridiculously. It's whatever it is, ridiculous generosity, ridiculous time spent on things, right? For God, because there's something miraculous on the other side of the ridiculous. Are you with me today? So the first one is, is it keeps you rooted to passion, and then it keeps you rooted to correct motives. If you read verses 5 through 11 of chapter 1, you see a dialogue where uh, Nehemiah documents a prayer and a conversation that he has with God. And he's telling God, he, basically what he's saying is, God, I understand why the Jews are being scattered from here to there. Because you told them that if they turned their back on you, they would be scattered. And God, and, and God you told them that there would be consequences on the other side of their actions. Can I just, listen, I just need to release God uh, from something you've been blaming him for. Everything is not God's fault. There are earthly consequences for things that you decide to do in your life. Okay, It's not always God's fault and it's not always the devil hiding behind every doggone bush in your life either. Right? It's not, it's not the devil's fault that your car ran out of gas. It's your fault because you didn't stop by the kangaroo on the way in. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not the devil's fault your bank account didn't balance. It's your fault because you didn't get in there and balance it. And budget, oh, are we getting too close to home? Do I need to back up a little bit? Right? So a why roots you to passion and it roots you to correct motives. And here's how it roots you to correct motives. If you read that documentation, he's telling God, he's saying, God, I understand all this. But then he makes a plea in the middle of the prayer and the conversation with God. He says this. He says, let me be the one to go back to Jerusalem and reach the Jews that are scattered and that are going through stressful and hurtful times. Let me be the one that rebuilds the wall and puts new gates up. Let me be the one that cleans up the ash and the soot. Let me be the one that does those things, God. Let me create a way for for me to be the one to do it. Can I tell you something? Nothing will short-circuit purpose faster than an incorrect motive. Then why am I doing it? We gotta, we gotta get to something called the root of the problem. Part of the reason that a lot of us never move past the same results we've always gotten is because we've never killed the root of the thing that shouldn't be there to begin with. I'm, I'm gonna be, I did this in the in the first experience, I'll do it now to, to keep things consistent. But I just feel like I just want to be transparent for a minute. Like in 2018, are y'all okay with your pastor just kind of releasing something with you? I just want you to know that I go through the same things you do. In 2018, I was telling a mentor of mine, same guy that said, quit talking about it, be about it, right? And I was telling him some things that I wanted to do and goals. And he said, those are great. And then he asked me one question. He said, why do you want to do that? And y'all, I gave such a good answer. You know what I'm saying? 
such a good answer. And he goes, well, if you want to do it like that, then why are you doing these things over here? Like, nothing egregious. But why are you doing these things? If I'm going to be completely transparent, he was calling out insecurity in my life. He was like, why every time I talk to you, do you feel like you have to prove yourself to me? He said, he said do you want these goals because it finally makes you feel like you're something in life? He was like, Brandon, you got to get to the root of some things and you got to begin to cut the root and you got to kill the root or else the fruit is never going to come because it's all incorrect motives. And I was like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And internally, I was like, the Lord just told me. He was like, you need to figure this thing out. And guys, for weeks, I prayed and I sought the Holy Spirit and I sought God over this thing. And listen to me. Here's what happened. At 1130 one night, I was laying in my bed. I couldn't go to sleep. My wife was snoring next to me. She's not here right now, so she, she's not in this experience right now. No, she was asleep next to me, and I woke her up. And I said, baby, I got it. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Got what? And I told her, and I just began to release things. And just tell her, and it was nothing egregious. Like, can I tell you something? Roots grow from small seeds. It doesn't have to be something crazy egregious that happened in your life for a root that can kill the fruit of your life to grow. And I just said, I got it. I figured it out. And I began to tell her things that, that I went through from the time I was like eight until forever. And at 35 years old, y'all, it it changed the way I acted towards people because I thought I had to impress you to get your like approval. I wasn't successful until I got your approval. And here's, as I released that and I began to pray over that, here's what the Lord told me. You don't need their approval for impact. You need my anointing for impact. That's all you need for impact in your life. But I had to get to the root of the incorrect motive because here's what we're really good at. We can take trash and package it real pretty and make it seem like it's the most justifiable thing in the world. But we've got to get down below the surface and go, you know why I'm so opinionated about everything? It's because I was hurt a long time ago and now nobody would listen to me then, but they're going to listen to me. Now I'm 43 years old and I got an opinion on everything and they're going to hear me. You know why I'm so negative about everything in life? Because I had somebody beat into me that nothing was ever good enough. And until you get to the root of the incorrect motive, you can't change what's actually happening. And Nehemiah verbally expressed in his conversation to God, he said, let me be the one that reaches people that are, the, your chosen people, the Jews that are far from you. Let me be the one that rebuilds a wall. Can I tell you that was my exact prayer? In 2011, as we started praying over Radiate Church, God, let me be the one that is a voice to this generation. Let me be the one that is a voice to our county. Let me be the one that rebuilds the church back to the relevance that it can have. Let me be the one that goes in and shows people my age and older, my age and younger. Let me be the one that starts a revolution of churches that change, unlocks purpose in people's lives. Because we're not here to transform a church, uh, an elementary school into a church. We're here to transform a state, a county, a town, a city into the kingdom of God. That's what we're here for, nothing else. It anchors us to correct motives because if not, we'll be like the tree that gets blown the opposite direction with the wind. And the third thing, last thing, I'm ending on this, 
is the third thing it grounds us to is to God. And that's the most important. In fact, Nehemiah ends chapter 1 with just a few words here that are kind of seemingly out of place. He says, now I was the cupbearer to the king. It's interesting to me that he didn't put that at the beginning because he didn't want you thinking anything about him. It didn't matter about him. He wanted you to read his why before he ever, you ever saw what he was doing. Here's why that sentence, I believe, grounded him to God. And it's this reason. I believe it's because he now looked. And see, you've got to understand the, the position of a cupbearer. The cupbearer had favor with the king. The king had to trust him. The king had to honor him. The king had to believe what he said. The king had to, had to have a relationship with the cupbearer. Or else the cupbearer could poison and kill the king and then develop a coup and take over the kingdom. Or put whoever he wanted to in there because he was so close to the king every single day. And here's what he had to understand. As he was getting his why, and he was praying over his why, and the, he was mourning, and he was fasting, and he was praying, and he was weeping. I believe the what became obvious to him, what he had to do. He had to go to Jerusalem and rebuild some things and reach some people. Now get this. I think in that moment it grounded him to God because he began to understand, wait a second. I'm about to do something that only kings can do. And I've got favor with the king who can write decrees and give me favor for products that I need to redo this. God, you've been setting me up this entire time because I got a position I never should have got to begin with. Some theologians believe that Nehemiah was a priest anyway. And so the truth of the matter is, listen, that he just, I believe he looked and he went, now I'm the cupbearer for the king. I don't believe it was just a statement for other people. I believe it was a light bulb going off for him going, wait a second, now I'm a cupbearer for the king. I, I can go to the king. I, I, can, I can go, I go to his throne every day, but now then I know why and I've got a passion for something. I can go to him and ask him to help me do something great. Can I tell you, listen to me, I need you to understand it grounds us to God and each and every one of us are cupbearers to the king. When the veil was torn, we all gained access to the throne of the king, to the throne of God. Listen to me, this may seem weird to you, but I need you to understand something. Every single action, reaction, thought, process, purpose, promise, anything we do in life. Do you understand that it is the equivalent of bringing something to the king? I'm going, God, this is, this is drink of the cup of my job. Drink of the cup of my marriage. Bring, drink of the cup of my family. Drink of the cup of my worship. Drink of the cup of what I bring you. I am a cupbearer to the king. And I need you to know something. Some of you, it feels like a setback. I'm going to be honest, 2018 was a really hard year. And a lot of you, you're like, yes, I heard you say amen. But some of you internally are like, yeah. For some of you, 2018 was the best year you've ever had. For me, I had a lot of things that made 2018 really difficult. But I still get to breathe. I, it may feel like a setback, but I need you to know God is setting you up. God is setting you up at all times. It's never outside of his control. It's never outside of his hand. It's never, never what it seems. It's never as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. The truth of the matter is God is always setting you up. And it's the why that keeps us uh, grounded to that. Why do I want that raise? 
Why do I want to climb the corporate ladder? Is it to get a position? Or is it because I can influence more people? Do I want a title or do I want influence? Do I want God or do I want to be seen at church on Sundays? Do I want to serve my church and build something in this community or do I want to sit in a chair and consume it the rest of my life? Never add value, just take it. And I'm not hating on anybody, I'm just asking why. Why do we do this stuff? Why do you want to get in shape this year? Is it for your husband or your wife? Or is it because of somebody on Instagram that you saw and you're jealous of their six-pack? Let's get real about this thing. Why? Why do you want your kids to be good at sports? Because you weren't? Or because they got a talent? You with me today? Why? Changes it all, doesn't it? Why puts everything into perspective? Here's the thing, man. To know your why. To know your why. Corporately and individually, to know your why. You have to get in the presence of God. You will not truly know your why from God until you get in His presence. And I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about showing up on Sundays and going, Pastor, pray for me. Like, I need your prayers to change my life. No, you don't. You have a voice, you have a spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the same prayers you pray reach the same God I pray to. It doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been following God. It's your prayers that can change the atmosphere anywhere you go. It ain't just mine. Your sermons change my life. Great, but don't live on that for six days. Get in the Word and find it for yourself, too. We come in here to corporately eat and to corporately grow and to corporately serve so that people can know Jesus. I know as Pastor Mark gets up here and he plays that keyboard for 20 minutes while I'm ending a message. He's often going, why? No. Just ask yourself, why? And then ask God. And here's the thing. As you find your why, you'll discover two things. One, goals you need to run to. And two, goals you need to run from. Because there's some goals you wrote down this year. They're just goals. Just because you saw somebody else do it. And now you want to do it. Some of you, I'm going to tell you what some of you need to do. I'm just, I just believe this. Some of you, your goal needs to be this. To serve the church more. And it's not because we need you. Because here's the bottom line. God equips everything. Right? So we're going to be equipped. It's not because we need you. Here's why. Because you need to serve. Because on the other side of your sacrifice and obedience is a miraculous turnaround. It happens all the time. I see it every single week. I hear stories of it every week. And so here's what I want to pray over you today. That 2019 is going to be the year of our why. That we will always ask why. And that we will find out why. And we will do it with passion. We will mourn and weep. We will fast and pray. That we will find our passion. That we will be connected to our purpose. That we will do what we got to do to accomplish the promise and the purpose of God. With the correct motives, no matter what. Are you with me today? If you believe that, will you put your hands together and say, that's for me. Come on. That's for me. Father, we honor you. And we worship you in this house. God, this is your church. This ain't my church. This ain't our church. This is your church. And so, God, I just lift up every single individual. You've blessed me 
to be the pastor of today. And God, I lift them up and I lay them at the foot of the cross and I just say, help us find our why. Help us find our abilities, our passions, our strengths, our purposes, our promises. Because God, no matter what, I know that you're doing something powerful in this place. You're doing something powerful in us. Don't let us do anything without a godly why. Without a godly why. <clears throat> Some of us broke sticks and got things off of our lives this week. And God, it just continues to nag. I just pray that this week, we'd walk out what you have for us. And God, we honor you. And we build everything on you. We love you and you alone. We are not here to build our kingdom. We're here to build yours. God, we honor you and praise you. And if you believe that today, will you put your hands together one last time this morning? Come on, church. Make some noise. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church Podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.